This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here, go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game, but we're also talking about things that you can do to make your agency better, more profitable, and know what's going on with your books and everything. And that's why we have Ro, Don, and Kayla from Agency CFO with us. This is not their first time on the podcast, probably not their last time, but (laughs) it's been a little while. And when I ran into Ro, I think it was probably even when we were at innovation in Chicago back in October. I'm like, we need to get you guys back on. It's been a little while. Let's hear some of the new things you're doing. Some of the success stories you had, because number one goal that we have is helping as many agents as we possibly can. And I can't do accounting and stuff like that nearly as well as you can. So let's just, let's, let's let them have it for the next 45 minutes or so. Sounds good. Hey everyone. Thanks again for having us back, David. It is always a pleasure. We love Love, love connecting with your audience. Absolutely, Phil. Thanks again. Without a doubt. And, you know, we do get calls from people who've been listeners. Oh, I heard you on David Carruthers. I heard you. (laughs) You know, can you help us? Kayla fields a lot of those questions. And the main thing is with Agency CFO, and you used to know us as RD Advisory Group. That was the original business name from 10 years ago. So we honed that in. That was one of the new updates of the year. We took the program name and decided to do all the official legal changes for agency CFO and some confusion and focus our message. And the main thing we we love to hear is how we can help, how we can really move your agencies forward. And we've been known to do calls and give advice, even if you're not going to be a long-term fit for our program. We truly want to help agencies move forward. So let's talk about that for a second, because obviously we want you working with people who are going to be a great long-term fit for your program, but you can't do that for everybody because not everybody is going to fit inside the mold that you have. And I mean, a lot of different sizes and shapes of agencies that specialize in different things and everything else. So why don't you take just a quick second and define who is an exceptional relationship for agency CFL? The exceptional agency that we love to work with, it's really a $2 million to $15 million revenue agency. 
So they get they have uh, they've made it already. You know, they've made it to that two million dollar mark at least, or they're uh, in that range. And they really can't afford to have a full time CFO. They certainly need strategic financial support, but no way can they really justify having a full time CFO on staff. The other second or really important component is they're growth oriented mm -hmm. and preferably, you know, uh, they're organic growth oriented. We help with acquisitions. Absolutely. Can we help them? Absolutely. In We're terms of looking at pro formos, we don't do valuations. Well, we can certainly help clean up the financial statement and make sure they're prepared. But we're all about, yeah, we love organic growth. So an agency that doesn't stand still, that is pushing their limits, pushing the boundaries, always wanting to grow, we want to grow value. And agencies grow value when they grow revenue, they grow value. And we want to help agencies who are interested in growing value. And that's not to say we have agencies under two million. We have agencies over fifteen million, and we always speak revenue, just like you. You know, we preach that. And Kayla can speak a little bit to her. She's a full CFO now, uh, along with we have two other full CFOs. So the team has grown. But Kay, what about your experience yeah. as a CFO? I I think we uh, hear often when we're talking to potential agency CFO clients, the ones that are thinking about us. They always say, you know, we're not a perfect fit because we have X, Y, Z to clean up or they come with like, you know, not everything has to be perfect before we make the switch. It actually is a little bit more fun when there's something to clean up. There's some pain felt, you know, there's something for us to jump in and really add value early on. So not everything has to be perfect. You don't have to have everything set up and ready to go. That's often where we add the most value because we can set it up right. So if you're in an AMS transition or you know, you're switching bookkeepers, maybe you're a CPA, something like that. We offer a lot of value because we can set it straight up front and help you get it right instead of having to work backwards. So, you know, I've got one that two years later, he's got a great book of business. He's very profitable, but very early on, he said, you know, I don't want to have to dig up what's under the carpet. I'm a little nervous what you're going to find behind closed doors. And, you know, it ended up being a great relationship. So it, you know, doesn't always have to be perfect over to us. And we yeah, prefer, I think that, you know, we're I think, not perfect. We uh, we talk to agency owners and they and when they first start talking to us, they're nervous about. Uh, it's, uh, like, um, it's like they're going to the doctor's office. Yeah, they're embarrassed. They're embarrassed. <laughs> and I say, don't be. Look, nobody's perfect. Uh, don't. The last thing that any agency owner ought to feel is embarrassed about anything. Oh, look, yeah. <laughs> don't be embarrassed because we're here to help you. And <laughs> You're going to believe it. Uh, tons of other agencies have your same issues. Yeah. So don't be embarrassed. Yeah, I think that's the, probably, if I had to guess, probably the biggest objection or obstacle from a sales perspective you guys face. Like, How do you somebody, talk them off that ledge, though? I was going to say, yeah, if somebody needs help, they're not going to worry. Like, If they know they need help, cost is probably not going to be an issue for them. Yeah. I mean, that we cost conscious, but I feel like a lot of people, because agencies are so personally influenced. They're so closely held. I started in the dining room of my house. You don't get any more closely held and personal than that. It's tough to let go of specific things. I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is, at least I can speak to the male ego side of this. People don't like to admit they need help, man. They don't, you know, in, in their mind, they think that asking for help is a sign of weakness or failure. When in my mind, that's a sign of strength. Knowing where you're good and where you're not 
is self-awareness and then going out and seeking the help for the things that you need help with just shows you're going to run your business the right way. It's not something that you should be embarrassed about. Even if you did something incredibly stupid, which I'm perfectly capable of, <laughs> you know, it's not like anybody didn't do the same thing before. I'm, I would imagine it's pretty rare at this stage of the game for y'all to engage with anybody and be like, oh crap, I've never seen this before. Yeah, we don't, we, we don't get that. I want to answer Kyle. The way we, we talk them off the at ledge is Don and I are business owners. We've taught, mm -hmm. we teach all of our CFOs to be business owners. It's that mindset. So we share a lot of our personal stories. We've built this from scratch. David, it wasn't our dining room table. It was our family room. And we were all there on different couches with whiteboards and notes. And we've done it. Absolutely. So we take that approach that, hey, you're not in it alone. Yeah, We've done it. And if they're having the conversation with us, then yeah, sub subliminally, they've already admitted to themselves, look, I need to understand what kind of help is available. And I think once we get into it, we see most agency owners are very, very open. And we we help them and we have this great conversation about, look, we're here first to get to know you. And once we get to know each other, oftentimes the, the, they put their, the, they drop the guard and it's a it's the beginning of a great relationship. So most times that's the way it goes. And they become yeah. friends. They truly, you know, we really relate yeah. that we don't give them work to do. We try to take the work for them. So we'll just, we won't give them a template and say, go do this. We do it with them. You we know, sit I, with them. And I think it's that initial few first few minutes, <laughs> maybe they're, they're embarrassed, they're scared. And it's like when you get into the doctor's office, but once you say hello. And We're fine. Well, I think the personal stories probably help with that too. It drops do. their guard That's a little bit. Absolutely. Because all that reluctance goes away really quick. Absolutely. We've all been there. We've all had the the marketing fails or the questions of what should we offer, just different business issues that come up. And in the early, early days, we I don't know a business owner that hasn't taken money out of savings because sure. a client didn't pay and they need to make payroll. You know, we it's it's a natural part of doing business and it's something that we're blessed. We're way, way, way beyond. But you rely on that past to say, hey, you're not alone. Yeah. Not you guys alone. are going to have to ignore me for a minute. I have to eat this sandwich because I'm going to pass out. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, now you so know what Don's going to ask you. There's a key question here. Well, I'm going to ask you a key it. question really quick. When's Kayla's <laughs> wedding? Because I saw that she got... Uh, <laughs> engaged on social yeah put it up there yeah let's, got say, it. That. let's say it <laughs> look at that around, this, is, my fiance. <laughs> this is an amazing amazing screenshot that i can't wait to share because we're all looking at kayla and she's holding up her ring like this and kyle's over here on the side <laughs> popping down his sandwich I'm not changing it, Kyle. Everybody's no, gonna care. love it. Oh, that's Dude, perfect. I'm so <laughs> Everybody's gonna love it. Like we'll get more action on that than anything I've posted. Absolutely, got to keep it I'm real. I'm good with it. What'd you get, Firehouse? No, dude. I didn't realize there was a McAllister's anywhere near here. Apparently, there's a McAllister's Deli like six Where? miles away. I don't know, but it popped up on Uber Eats, and they have fantastic club sandwiches. Oh, it a just club. Took, that was a good club. It, it just took an hour and a half to get here, though. So. It's like, <laughs> Oh, it's yeah, it's in Gibsonton. It's it's down in Gibsonton. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I didn't know where it was. Right. By the way, their baked potato game also very very strong. Like they the will Callisters. give you 
they will give you a baked potato the size of a regulation football. It's <laughs> you. Yeah, he loves that. that we love. <laughs> I could literally feed all my kids off of one of their potatoes. <laughs> Cost effective. I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's cra- it's crazy. So now they're thinking like a CFO. <laughs> so talk about that a little bit, though, right? I mean, I think you know some of the things agency principals do to grow their agency has to do with vision and seeing what they're going to ro- do for the future from a roadmap or whatever else. I don't feel like, and I could very much be wrong, but I don't feel like that the average one of us in my seat can do that as the CEO, the CFO, and the COO. Very different visions. All three equally as important. Mm -hmm. But I'm always going to fall into that CEO visionary role. That's that's Mm -hmm. the role I I feel like I'm probably the most easily to, easy to relate to. Talk a little bit about that because I feel like you fill that void that Mm -hmm. we may lack in skill set. So an agency doesn't have to go without just because you don't have to have the skills. And I would also make the argument that most agencies, especially the two to 15 million, obviously, as you get closer to 15 million, it's much more likely they have an in-house CFO. But I feel like there's a lot of agencies out there that don't even have that. And like, where are you getting that skill set if you don't have it in-house and you're not outsourcing for it? I want to answer. I'm going to cue Don up for the first part of that, uh, the second part. In the first part, Where I think it has worked really well is while Don and I are partners and business owners and husband and wife, for almost over 14 years, he sat in the CFO seat. He was the CFO at a very large progressive independent insurance agency. So wouldn't you say that cued you up on how to act like a CFO to well, these business owners? Absolutely. And, you know, I ended up wearing 12 hats from the, from being the sales manager to IT to HR, because here is the reality of, of uh, the real situation, why you don't see a lot of CFOs in our industry. There isn't that much strategic financial work at a, you take a $10 million revenue agency, you have a CFO, they might spend 20% of their time on CFO responsibilities in 80% of the time on other duties. Which and is it, out of their natural traits and tendencies. And it, but that is the norm. That is the norm that you'll meet a CFO, but uh, the likelihood is they're spending, they're probably the IT person. They might be doing HR. They might be doing facilities. They're doing all these other well, and things. And then you were sales manager Absolutely. for five years. Absolutely. So. And that's the reality is that uh, on a day-to-day basis, there's not all that much strategic, yet there's it's a really important aspect. So you end up with these, uh, the vast, vast majority of agencies, a lot of them are going without strategic support because they can't, they really can't justify a full-time CFO, nor should they, and yet what they lose out. And they're they're running a less than optimal situation. (laughs) It's costing them money. They don't see where that's costing them money, but chances are it's whether they're suffering on compensation and profitability or uh, you know, their producers are underperforming somewhere or the retention, somewhere the money is seeping out and they don't even see it. Usually multiple places. Mm. And uh, the other half of all of this is while that is our sweet spot, those are our, our ideal clients, Kayla has really innovated and taken the ball and ran with a program we call the Executive Academy. 
And then we don't want anyone to go without financial guidance. It's okay. Go for it. Yep. I think we've talked about it before on the podcast. So we've had a few cohorts since then. And I think what I see across the board is most agencies that aren't at the 2 million mark, they're in a completely different position because they're still building. And I think we've called it before the Goldilocks phase. You're always in that in-between. You're not too small. You're not just starting out and you're not big enough to be one of the large agencies who has it figured out. When you're stuck in this middle spot, there's 10 different ways to get to the right answer. And going back to your question, you know, what do you do when you're the CEO, CFO, the visionary, everything? We want you to be able to focus in that seat. That's why you do it. If I have to have more passion than you and I have to build the vision for you, chances are you're not in the right seat and not in the right, uh, really just not in the right industry. So if I can take your vision and make it less subjective and put some real numbers behind it and give that interpretation, you know, you could use the same crayon and color the entire the entire block with one crayon. I could give you 10 different variations and tell you to paint by numbers because I have those numbers to use. And at the end of the day, you have to be able to tie those things together. And that doesn't need, you know, a full-time CFO in the seat. So if I can give you the tools to fish for yourself, we're going to teach you that way. And if you're ready to hire a part-time fisherman, then I'm going to show you the right fishing spots. I'm going to teach you the right areas to go to and the right tools to use. And hey, maybe I'll sit there for four hours, you know, and do it for you. So there are different variations of how you can use a CFO, but at the end of the day, if you're not ready to even hire us, we have solutions or, you know, you can turn to the people on site. Do you have a really good CPA? Do you have a really good bookkeeper? You know, do you even uh, know how to log into your QuickBooks or whatever system you're using? So there's a lot of things you can do as the CEO visionary to still get you in the right direction, even if you're not, you know, 100% there with having a a CFO or the own financial talent. So you guys have mentioned that like a, a good fit is, you know, an agency that's looking to grow organically, but listening to some of this, I would have to think that those agencies that have grown like quickly through acquisitions would also have a very distinct need for what you guys do. Oh, and we have a good amount. We have several that that's really their growth plan is acquisitions. And it's interesting to watch the integrations after you know, there's so much leading up to signing that final purchase agreements, you know, getting the keys to the shop, so to speak. We like to remind them what's life on day two. <laughs> day two, you brought on this agency, you are merging systems, you're merging employees and cultures and financials and bank accounts. And it has, it gets really ugly sometimes. Absolutely. And there's two, really two sets of work that we do. So there's this front end work. So everything that's pre-acquisition, pre-close. You've done a lot of due diligence. Due diligence, pro forma development, all on the front end. And then they close on the agency. Now it's theirs. And it's like, okay, how are we going to keep, do we keep, how do we merge the accounting? How do we, we have all these technical financial issues? Who pays what? How do we account for it? Technically on the accounting side, on the budgeting side, it wrinkles, you know, it ripples through all of these other aspects. And it's a whole different set of issues. So there's, there's a whole set of issues prior to the purchase. And then there's a whole different set of issues post-purchase. And we actually forget that. So Kyle, I want to follow up and give an actual example that we see what if the purchase agreement is dependent on a retention clause? Mm. 
So say they there's going to be X amount of dollars if they retain 90% of the client base, the customer base. Mm-hmm. How are you going to track that? Yeah. How are you going to code it? How are yeah. you going to, who's going to service it? If you're bringing over, there are so many complexities to making that one statement in, in the purchase agreement actually come to life. Theoretically, a, a retention clause might be the greatest thing in a purchase agreement. <laughs> the technicalities of doing it right, of how do we measure that retention? How do we structure the bonus? When do we pay it out? When do we calculate? Get it wrong. There's there's ways to get it right, and there's easily ways to get it wrong. And the same concept can go, boy, different directions yeah. in a hurry. Technicalities. I'll tell you what, there's another, there's something else that I think is going to change somehow that stuff is looked at too. And it's another reason why it's extremely important to have the CFO skill set in your agency, whether it be fractional or otherwise. And that's looking at a product like cake, right? I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with cake or not, but I'm an, in, I'm an investor in cake. So I'm made to make sure everybody understands this is not a commercial, but if you think that it even might turn into it, I'm talking about this because I know the product, not because I'm trying to get you to use it. Although it would be a really good idea for you. Also. So what, what if it is? Yeah, you're right. But I try and stay above board with all of that. Stuff. <laughs> That's what yeah, I, try, I try and stay above board with it. But I mean, I look at this because as an investor, I see an amazing opportunity to scale your agency without taking on dead weight. And what I mean by that is in your scenario, Don, you're talking about, you know, what it would look like to do the acquisition and you've got all of this other stuff that you're trying to get through. From my perspective, if you have somebody that's a CFO, you should be able to sit down on a quarterly basis or however often you're going to meet with them and look at your current book of business. How far am I from the next tier of contingencies or Mm -hmm. how far am I away from enhanced compensation or holy cow, I got a ton of business with this carrier. Why haven't I talked to them about enhanced compensation? Because we're giving them a single digit loss ratio on incredible numbers. But go back to the cake thing. The reason why... I think what Adam is building over there is so powerful is because now you have the ability to look at your book of business, see who you want to grow with, where you have the opportunity to get some natural lift. And instead of doing what we used to do, going out and buying an entire agency just because they have a good book with that carrier, now we can just find a good book with that carrier that's in an agency that maybe isn't performing as well. And a lot of the times it's not is um, much premium is you would need if you go buy an entire agency, you might just need a couple hundred thousand that you can pick up relatively inexpensively. And then by the time you get the commission lift on your existing book, you just paid for the acquisition. Absolutely. Absolutely. But why doesn't that happen often today? And there's a number of reasons. One is without a CFO, you know, how many owners are really watching doing that analysis that you just described? Normally, that's what the CFO does. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a CFO, the the very, very high likelihood is that analysis is not getting done. Now, here's the second thing. And here's where agent CFO is focused in 2024. The other reason why it doesn't get done is most, the very, very, very high percentage of agencies, if they ran you a book of business report today, it is wrong. It is inaccurate. And therefore, the owner looks at it and says, no, these numbers are wrong. Can't use it. And all of a sudden, all that nice analysis that you just referred to goes out the window because 
They don't trust the numbers. Their their premiums are wrong. They're missing. The commission amounts aren't in the system. And now that book of business is essentially useless. And that's what we're working on. Our focus this year is, look, before you can perform all that great analysis, and there's a gold mine living within your book of business data, but it has to have integrity. So that's job one this year. Yeah. So all of our folks, we literally called it the year of the book of business. And was it the last week of December, first week of January, every client with us got their book of business pulled, our CFO team, everyone's working with their client base to clean it up, to understand it so that this way the gold mine is ready. Because that's what the value of your agency is your book of business. Can you imagine, you know, our asset at any agency, our, our main asset is our book of business. And yet, uh, I would say easily over 90%. I'd put it over well, you've 90 seen it. You've seen Yeah, I, I can say that, you know, the number that are totally clean, I can count on my my hand, my one, one set of fingers. Mm-hmm. It's a very rare agency that can produce a clean book of business. And yet it's their, our only asset. And yet we can't, we couldn't even show somebody, here's our book of business. It's not accurate. And on yeah, the no, I, side, oh, go yeah, ahead. I agree. I agree completely. It's crazy. When So our agencies that have done acquisitions, what they thought they were buying, what they thought they were getting in the book of business, that day two, the, you know, the day, the day after the close, and they dive into these books and they're a mess. They're not what they said they were. And that doesn't play out in one day. It takes months for them to uncover, oh, the retention wasn't what they said, or the split between personal lines, commercial lines, policies, whatever. Oh, wait, there's a whole bunch of non-standard auto we didn't know about. What did we buy? Because the books aren't. It's like when you buy a house and the inspector doesn't do a you know thorough job. Yeah. You start Or you don't stuff. get an inspector. Or you don't right? get it. Yeah, yeah. Or you just skip it entirely. 100% the reason we don't have a house in Key West right now is because market conditions dictate they're selling above asking, sight unseen, yeah, as dude. is, in cash. Yeah. And I'm okay if I have to buy as is, but I want somebody to tell me what that means. Like, I need somebody to go in, look at the house, and say, David, I would recommend you go ahead and get this, but you need to know you're going to need a budget of about 125000 just to go in and clean up the things we saw on the inspection, because the one thing I know beyond a shadow of a doubt is every single house on the market in Key West needs work. Every yeah. single yeah. one of them. And so, you know, I wonder how many people go out and buy book of, books of business. Like some of these foreign people are buying le- real estate in Key West. They're just wiring money and hoping for the best. I think it's a high percentage, actually, that by the time they they, uh, they cut the deal, it's like the last thing they want to do is spend their time on due diligence. Look, nobody enjoys... No, because that Don, that would cut out the amount of time they have to brag about the fact they just made an acquisition. You nailed it. You nailed it. Decorate the house. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the whole thing, right? That that's the badge of honor. Like you see people all the time. Oh, I just made another acquisition. I just made another acquisition. What did you really acquire? You you just picked up forty thousand in revenue with a carrier from an agency who's not going out of business. That's that's not an acquisition. You're misleading your peer group with what you really did. And my favorite is the ones that really get excited. And I'm sorry if I upset anyone out there. You get so excited. You bought a book of business and they're still using paper. 
<laughs> what did you do? I'm okay with that as long as I know about it on the front end and I've taken that into consideration in my negotiating right. the purchase price. But you're not the normal person. We've seen it too many times that they Oh yeah, no. I I'm with you. But to me like I, that 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 actually excites me. That's the agency I want to buy because I know how much opportunity sure. I have as right. long as we have the process and that's to be honest with you that's what scares the living daylights out of me is having the process of going out, acquiring an agency like that, and then knowing the steps that I need to take to transition yeah. from where they're, you know, old school paper, this is the way we've always done it, to we're going paper free as quickly as we can. And by the way, we operate with this tech stack and everything else. It's probably one of the main reasons why I haven't done any acquisitions at all at this point. Like I'm spending 2024 yeah. getting ready to move heavy into acquisition in 2025. The mm -hmm. skill sets are totally different from when you're used to just growing organically. That's yeah. that's those are that's a set of skill sets. And then if you go into the acquisition space, the skill sets and the talents and the the workflows are absolutely totally different. So and most agencies don't have the bandwidth to grow organically and then really do a good job yeah. on the acquisition side. I also think if your agency is not large enough, you know, I hate to call out anyone, but if Do you, it. you know, it's easy to get excited, even if it's a small book of business, if you like see that and you're like, okay, that's going to bring me 10 times growth this year. I don't maybe have to sell as much, or I get to kind of put the brakes on like growing organically because we're going to have this really nice book of business. When at the end of the day, if you would put the same amount of effort into the organic growth side and just prospecting, you know, you might actually be 10 times better off than you are than getting that small book that's got awful retention, paper, and all of this thing that derails you from the actual vision. So you hit the nail on the head. You have the foresight to see those steps that you need to take when you buy an agency like that. You're actually looking for it. And a lot of times when an agency just pops up out of nowhere and it's very small. It's got all these things. If you have to justify, and those are my favorite calls to get when I'm on a call and someone says, you know, actually this book came up and they have to justify it. If you have to say it has this, but it has that, but, and you have to like repeat those sentences to me, chances are it's not the book of business that you actually want and stop derailing your, you know, your future and your potential growth just because it's a shiny object. And it'd be really fun to say we did two acquisitions this year. I want yeah, it's just, fun, it's funny ahead. to listen to agents because they they have they like brag about weird stuff, right? There's a <laughs> there's a rite of passage to be mm -hmm. in the cool kids club. Three or four years ago, it was VAs, right? Everybody had to have a VA. <laughs> if you didn't have a VA, you're on the outside looking in. Now it's acquisitions. Like I'm I'm anxious to see what's next. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. And I'm 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 going back to Kyle's house analogy and the inspector analogy. And all I could think of is, yeah, it's got great curb appeal. It's got great schools, but no one talks about the crazy neighbor next door or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Like the hidden or the dog, the dog that barks every morning yeah. at 4 30 <laughs> and they leave it out all the time. I and there's swear, no way man. you would ever know until you buy the house, move in, and you're sleeping in the bedroom right next door. Mm -hmm. Yeah, literally, absolutely. you're literally describing our situation. Everything about our house is perfect. Everything, location, like bone, newer house, pool, like all the stuff that we wanted. But, but. <laughs> everyone on the street has a dog and it just like <laughs> echoes off of the neighboring houses in our patio. And it's like every morning, like you're talking, it's not 430. 
it's about like 5 30 you know six o'clock which still sucks it's all the but, same right it's like dude i'm not and, awake and like yeah you know, <laughs> yeah right exactly but you don't know that until you're in there there's nothing you could do about that but no but when just... one dog barks it ripples so we know with agency acquisitions there's going to be issues with the purchase agreement retention the financials merging bank accounts merging agency management systems even down to the chart of accounts in their accounting but it's also the employees you're acquiring because if one dog is barking it's going to set off the whole neighborhood mm. and in an agency that can be a culture killer i think that's a great analogy i think yeah. that the whole house analogy is pretty yeah. good i'm just i'm just full of fantastic analogies <laughs> there are things you will never know until after you've closed on the acquisition and you've right. gotten your feet wet into it and you've started the integration they and those are the, the type of surprises all the dogs in the neighborhood come out those what's are one the, your mm -hmm. favorite stories what's one that really stood out that was I'm, that's my that was my next question was like a a success story or something but you don't have to get specific on it but just you know something that really kind of fit exactly what you guys were trying to do and made you feel all warm and fuzzy uh, <laughs> well i think that from you know we we do we prepare from a financial standpoint we prepare our agencies to, for the acquisition. So there's there's very limited surprises. They're, they're set financially. I think it's always the non-financial surprises. You know, if you have a CFO, we can minimize any type of financial surprise. What else do you find out? You've got people, cultural surprises all the time. Uh, those are rear their head all the time. It's like uh, the, especially with the ex owners, when the yeah, owner now becomes there, that's a, the issue. And an employee, what do you mean yeah. I have to go to this agency wide meeting? I don't do that kind of things. <laughs> so, Kyle, that's with agency CFO. I fully admit I am not the CFO in the group. I'm the MBA. I worked extremely, extremely hard for my letters. And I use them. I use them for the benefits that if an agency owner needs to call me and say, hey, can you talk this human issue through with me? And we've had many conversations with agency owners on how to integrate a former owner. Love the one I mm -hmm. just had. Uh, what do you mean you're changing the name of the agency? <laughs> what do you mean? You're taking my name off the agency? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, actually yeah mm -hmm. so that's the thing is you need you need your team behind you for the day after the close yeah so what do you guys see as trends right now what if like if we're an agency principal aside from the fact we probably should have a cfo if we don't what do you see happening over the next 12 to 18 months you know from what you've seen in the marketplace because i feel like acquisitions are changing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I don't know if they're speeding up, slowing down or remaining the same, but they're not remaining the same. It it seems like it's different. I feel like a lot of the big players that were involved in going up and trying to gobble up agencies for insane multiples are probably leveraged at a point now where yeah. they weren't expecting to be even though they're getting lift on the hard market. Attrition is probably much mm -hmm. worse than was originally calculated and so you're seeing those people fall back a little bit. I think that opens the opportunity for uh, people that are maybe in, a, in a, a solid agency that are looking to grow to the next level to maybe step in. I think that there's also been, I'm going to give you guys all of it and then you can take it and digest it and chop it up as you will. I think there's also a subset of people out there that had buyer or seller's remorse. Mm -hmm. um, they, they thought, oh, wow, yeah. this is, this is an awesome deal for me. You know, they see all the money and the multiple they're getting 
And, you know, it's okay that they uh, sold the agency and they're fine with the time off, but it bothers them that their clients aren't being taken care of the way they would have taken care of their clients. And so it rents space in their head. And as a result, I think just through talking with other agents who might be thinking about it, probably given advice that you really should sell to another agent as opposed to one of these big corporations if you care about your clients and the people in your community that helped you build your business. Mm -hmm. So I want to speak to the first one real quick and take it in a slightly different. Not only are the big, big players really pulling back the reins, they're also resizing their organization. So I think there's going to be talent that comes out of those big assured partners or whoever it is, as they reorganize, they've done all this acquisition, what talent is gonna be freed up for agent, small independent agencies to scoop up? Maybe. Okay, so I'm gonna be devil's advocate here for yep. one second because this is very real right now. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think happened out of COVID is people became way more comfortable with remote work. Obviously, we can all say that unequivocally. Yeah. Absolutely. I've actually had been getting emails from friends across the country who are losing their help in rural parts of the country because you can get the large conglomerates of the world to come in and offer them just more than what the little local yes. agency can afford to pay them. And they're picking up people for a song that have 20 years of experience that they can bring in and put in. So I have a feeling that while the reorganization has the ability to benefit all of us with some of that talent, I also think if we're not careful, it can work both ways because they can get rid of higher priced talent and replace it with people for much less that have the exact same skill set or close enough they can train them and put them in those positions. And that's why you have to have a good compensation plan. You have to have a good culture, good benefits, good compensation plan, and remind these players what it's like to work for the small hometown agency that cares or the big conglomerate. It's telling your story. Because when you look in Citibank, it's laying off tens of thousands of people and Sports Illustrated is going under. Well, there's going to be accounting teams. There's going to be insurance personnel. There's going to be people that can come into the marketplace, know your culture, you know, there's great resources in our industry to really build a solid team and your offerings. So you're attracting and keeping the best talent. Yeah, it's, it's, you're right. There's two sides. It is. But yeah, it is absolutely more than just dollars. You know, if, yeah. if I'm the small, you know, mid-America agency and I'm I'm lucky enough, I can I can hire talent at really below national rates. <laughs> That's my advantage. And how do I keep them safe? Yeah, I'm not going to do it by giving them essentially more money and matching the national average. I'm going to do it through culture and through other benefits. Yeah, the, what is the employee uh, experience? Absolutely, that that value, and we see this all the time. That we've we've got the look. Yeah, they could go. These uh, account managers and other uh, team people could absolutely make more money working remote, but they choose not to. Because of it's a it's an experience they can't get anywhere else. One of our CFOs, but it's not usually your eight players that leave. It's you know from the situations I've seen, we've seen a few of these scenarios where they train them up to really nice commercial account managers. They get scooped up after three years of some really nice training. 
they're not your eight players typically. They're not the ones that really value what you're offering. And if they are eight players and you go back and you haven't compensated them appropriately, a lot of times it's also on your shoulders. And then the third part of that is if you do have eight players, you're listening to this and you're saying, oh crap, I've got to figure out a better comp strategy to keep them. You know, you should be giving the control back to them. We've been building, I can't tell you how many comp, like compensation, bonuses, different conversations we've been having because people want to take care of their A players. And if you aren't giving them control to, you know, you should be, they're doing really great work, benefit from them, right? It's in your control. If you go to these big groups, it's really out of your control. You're getting just a base salary or whatever they offer everyone in the seat. You know, how often do people get to choose that at a large, large, large brokerage? So you know, you have the power to offer more and give the control back to them. But if you don't have good compensation plans, I had to tell your A players are going to get scooped up, whether it's the agency down the street or it's the big broker that came in and did some acquisition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. For sure. What have we missed? We're here to help. No. We yeah. are here to help. You know, I didn't get that in anything we said. I mean, <laughs> you know, CFOs. <laughs> Look at the world a little bit differently. You a talk lot different. Yeah, you, you 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 know you talk about the CEO they love numbers. You know the CEO visionary role. They look at things one way. Then the COOs look at things another way. Well, the, the CFOs have their own way of looking at things. I'll leave you with this one: the hard market. And I'm so tired of hearing about everybody complaining about the hard market. Are you kidding me? From a CFO perspective, huh? There's going to be more money. Our book of business is going to be worth more without doing anything else. It's going to be just retain. It's just going to, if we retain it, it's automatically going to be worth 20 or 10 or 20% more. Huh. And then I get a multiple on that. So, you know, so you think about what you see for across the country is this. Yeah, we got some retention loss, but the hard market is essentially offsetting the, so the retention and you got the hard market, they're canceling each other out. So the book, what what do you have when you have that case going on? You have essentially perpetual revenue. If you've got recurring business, it's like perpetual revenue. How much better does it get than that? So if you can do, take care of your clients and they'll stay with you. You got a little more work to do. I get it. But take care of them. Work hard for them. They're going to stay with you. You're going to get the hard market lift. Take care of that. And then just, just keep selling. Keep producing. And you're going to be in a great, great spot. So see this hard market is, a, is this tailwind. Let's, not, let's stop complaining about it because, <laughs> hey, the CFOs love more, more dollars. It's more dollars. Let's stop complaining. And I think my message for, you know, agents across the country, 2024, stop trying to be part of the cool kid club. I feel like, you know, going back to that statement at the end of the day, you know, focus on cleaning up your asset. If your book's not cleaned up, if you don't have the fundamentals there, I had to tell you, but you're focusing in the wrong areas and it's okay to take a step back and let everyone else be part of the club and see what shakes out. You know, the new iPhone will come out again next year, right? Always has some new advantages. So stop trying to be part of the cool kid club and, you know, find where your agency could be bleeding and plug the holes. And I promise that you will be 10 times better off. And my final is to take both of them and think about your next steps when you, whether it's that acquisition that producer you're going to hire, all of it. Tell me what day two is like. Well, Kayla will be surprised by this one. I was never the cool kid, but I knew one thing that I did know 
since I was a kid. I knew about hard, cold cash. <laughs> so, you know, I think our message is. I bet you knew about pierogies, too. <laughs> I said, I bet he knew about pierogies, too, with the last thing. <laughs> oh, like he did. <laughs> too much, too much. That's the only thing I like as much as cash or almost as much. <laughs> pierogies. <laughs> pierogies. Uh, when you come, we got to get you back to central New York. We'll take you. We'll take you to the Polish meat market. We're going to get you some real kielbasa and some real pierogies. Hey, I'm all in. I've been making them by hand I since have. I was old enough to do that. And believe it or not, I have a sausage stuffer and make my own kielbasa too. So I, I see. I see you doing it. <laughs> I'm not Polish by birth, but I am by choice. That's impressive. <laughs> Italian by birth. Come and I'll make you lasagna. <laughs> oh, you do not have to ask twice for that. Seriously. They'll tell you about the lasagna. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, listen, I'm, I'm, we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Really appreciate y'all coming on. Before we let you go, what's the best way for somebody to reach out and learn how you can help them? Agencycfo.com. It's all Beautiful. there agencycfo.com all yeah. kinds of resources on there certainly an easy path to connect i encourage anybody who's trying to figure out like if you don't know how much money you're making in your agency that would be a really good indicator you probably need to look um if, if you're not sure what your book of business really looks like probably would be a pretty good indicator you need to talk to them so i think that there's with all with forty five thousand or whatever the ridiculous number of independent agencies out there is there's quite a few that probably need to pick up the phone and call. This is not one of those times call reluctance wins people. This <laughs> is your livelihood. This is your perpetuation plan. This is your family's future. Take a second, pick up the call, pick up the phone, see how they can help you. And I understand. I just like literally threw the heat at you. I get paid nothing to tell you that. I want to be very clear. Yeah. Agency CFO is not a sponsor of my podcast. They do oh. not give me any compensation whatsoever to recommend them. If they did, they wouldn't be on here. I, that's not how we roll. We truly want you to have the best resources that you can have for your agency. And I believe that this crew is certainly one of them. I know all of my friends that I've spoken with that have used their services and continue to use them are extremely happy. And that's why they're on here. So take advantage of the fact we're giving you free, unfiltered recommendations of companies you can trust. And with that being said, we're going to wrap it up. Because I've got a three o'clock I've got to be on. So <laughs> we'll see you guys later and catch Thank everybody you. next week. Thank you. Take care. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. 